Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The Twitter handle is at Pete Callender, where I have once again, completely unintentionally, but not really, kicked yet another hornet's nest. I got them riled up again. <laughs> well, because it's this a. It's just this war and that SOB Johnson. No, it's the uh, it's the abortion bill, SB 20, Senate Bill 20. It went through committee, right? It got introduced, what, uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, 6 o'clock. They did a press conference. It went to committee yesterday morning. It then went to the House for a vote. This is all North Carolina General Assembly. And then goes to the House for the vote. House passes it last night. Now it's in the Senate. And apparently, according to our pal A.P. Dillon from the North State Journal, um, the Democratic members of the state Senate are trying to bog down passage of the bill, trying to slow the debate down by asking all sorts of questions. This is one of the things you can do as a legislator, right? You you just raise questions. You just, you know, you ask the uh, the leader of the Senate, I think Phil Berger may be running the operation. I'm not sure if he's, if it's him or if it's Lieutenant Governor um, Mark Robinson. I haven't been watching. They just started the debate, but now they're now they've taken a break. They've paused because the Democrats have been asking all of these questions in order to slow the passage down. And then there was this other event going on. There was it's a is it, is, is today the National Day of Prayer? Um, they've got a, they have a prayer event and it's at, um, I want to say it was at noon, may have just been getting started. And so they, uh, they adjourned, the Senate adjourned to go out into, uh, the park that's right there. I think it's right there, right across the street. Um, yeah, National Day of Prayer event at the Bicentennial Plaza. And so the Republicans are going out there to do this prayer and, um, the Democrats are, uh, going to hang out according to Dawn Vaughn who is a uh, reporter, Capitol Bureau chief, I should say, for the McClatchy Papers, News and Observer. Uh, And she says the Senate is in recess until 1 p.m. Republicans are planning to go to the National Day of Prayer event at Bicentennial Plaza. Democrats will caucus about how to kill babies. No, I'm kidding. She doesn't say that. She says they're just going to be caucusing during the recess. But that is what they're doing. They're trying to figure out the best tactical way to lose. Because they are going to lose. There's... They don't have the votes. This the the Senate, the state Senate is a supermajority Republican majority. And so they're not going to win this vote. So all they can do is try to strategize how to save face while they lose, how to make it look the best as they lose. Right? They gotta gussy it up. They gotta dress it up in some sort of theater, some sort of a performance like the House did yesterday. Um the House, uh, you know, they did, well, I've got the, uh, let's see here. Do, 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 I've got the last clip here. Yeah, here it is, number nine. Uh, so this is the the very end of the uh, the floor debate, which, by the way, the uh, floor debate was not engaged in, really, by the Republicans. 
they were in the bill. They introduced the, like, here's what the bill does. And then you had, you know, some questions that came from the Democratic members. But then you also had them make speeches and rail against it and this and that. But there wasn't, the Republicans did not take the opportunity to then make their case for all the provisions and address the uh, accusations and all that. There wasn't really a back and forth during the House debate because they knew they had the votes. And why even bother? I guess. Um, and so at the very end, this was, again, or the Democrats knew that they were not going to be able to stop it. And so they engaged in this theater. Senate Bill 20 started as a common sense bill on safe surrender of infants that passed the House on a unanimous vote. Late last night, the bill turned into a complicated abortion ban that restricts health care decisions for millions of North Carolina women. The bill is now injurious to the public, and under our state constitution, I rise to protest for two reasons. First, a woman's right to have an abortion changed dramatically with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Now, in less than a year's time, we are further curtailing the rights of women to make their own health care decisions. Second, the secretive and rushed process behind Senate Bill 20 prevents scrutiny from doctors, nurses, and the public generally. As we vote today, we do not know all of the real consequences of this bill. For those reasons, I protest the consideration of the conference report for Senate Bill 20 under Article 2, Section 18 of the North Carolina Constitution. Noted. Question for the House is the adoption of the conference report. I join in our protest. I rise to join the protest, Mr. Speaker. I rise to join our constitutional protest. I rise to join constitutional protest. All that was missing was the crescendo of music, you know, like some some big orchestral and a sound behind them. Oh, captain, my captain, as they all stand on their desks and such. They held the vote and then they lost, but made for some really good B-roll. You know what I mean? Some really good video. The audio was not so great because it's just crosstalk. Hard to follow, people talking over each other, but they're all saying the same thing. Oh, captain, my captain. Oh, captain, my captain, right? They're all saying the same thing. Um, well, they're saying, I rise in protest. So they file the protest, but they they could not stop it from passing. Okay. Um, so now it's over in the Senate, and they're trying to kind of figure out what performance they shall engage in. But what's hilarious is, and, and this, uh, okay, all right, there all right, maybe a little bit, just a teensy weensy little bit of trolling on my part. Maybe just a teensy weensy bit. But uh, one of the questions I like to ask, and I do it whenever I discuss the abortion topic with with anybody, is I ask them, when do rights obtain for the fetus? Right? Because to me, that's the issue. When you're talking with anybody about abortion, that's the issue. When do they believe that the fetus, the in utero child, when do rights attach to that as a human being? Right? That's really the question. And I'm always curious to know the answer and then ask people why they feel that way, why they think that way. For example, um, me personally, I believe that the rights attach at conception because that will be nothing other than a human being. And while it may die in utero, it's not going to be anything other than a person, right? And uh, life begins at conception, 
I believe, the rights attach at that point. Now, other people disagree with that. There's a compelling argument, I think, to be made that, look, we as a a society, we deem a person to be dead when their heart stops beating, right? Because the heart stops beating, everybody dies of the same thing, really, if you think about it, lack of oxygen to the brain, right? Every, Every single thing always ends up the same way. We all die, lack of oxygen to the brain. So when the heartbeat stops and the brain activity stops after that, right, that you're dead, okay? So there's no heartbeat, right? People check for the heartbeat. Oh, there's no heartbeat. They're dead. That's what that means. Okay, so how about you go with the heartbeat being the signifier of the end? It could also be the signifier of the beginning. And that, that makes some bit of sense to me as well, right? I, like I'm, I, I, I can understand that argument. So people who want heartbeat bills, for example, that makes sense to me. Then, of course, you have the people who are like, no, no heartbeat bill. It's not even really a heartbeat. It's just a series of electro, uh, electrical uh, uh, pulses. It's not really the heartbeat because whatever. I mean, that's what the heartbeat is anyway, but whatever. But that's that. That's another argument. And then there is the, you know, quote, viability standard. Well, what does that mean? Well, what, the child can live outside the womb, right? But then there's what about um, health and, uh, uh, yeah, health of the mother, not not life of the mother, health of the mother. And this is one of those one of those little escape hatches that uh, the the abortion proponents. Uh, this is one of their uh, vocabulary trap doors. They'll say. Oh, it's the health of the mother, because under that classification, then it's it's anything. It's mental health. And a, a woman can just say, oh, I, I want to abort the child because uh, I'll be depressed. I'm, I'm oversimplifying, but mental health gives you a lot of wiggle room, essentially rendering any law pointless. OK, so they'll say that now there's life of the mother. That's another restriction, right? If the life of the mother is in jeopardy. But then you have to have some sort of medical issue going on, right? And there is an exemption for that, by the way, in this proposed law. But I always ask the question of when do rights obtain? Because what I have discovered in the years that I have asked this question is that a lot of people on the left don't ever want to answer it at all. We had a candidate for Congress on this very program a couple uh, about a year ago refuse to answer the question, right? They don't want to say, well, why don't they want to say? Why is it so difficult to say? And now I'm in this argument with that law school kid <laughs> uh, that I've, I, yes, I, I interact with this kid. <laughs> I don't know why. He's like a moth to the flame. But he won't answer the question. And he's saying it's all subjective. Like, dude, you're studying law, man. Do you understand rights? Central to our society. So, yes, I'm asking you a subjective question. When do you think the rights at- obtain? When do they attach? And he won't answer it. You know why? I'll tell you. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. In the abortion debate, people used to, you know, always would focus on when does life begin? Science has basically answered that question. Life begins 
at conception. That's the spark of life, literally. When do rights obtain? When does the law recognize rights in utero? That's the question. When do rights obtain? And when you start arguing with leftists on this issue and you ask them that question, they never want to answer the question. Why? Why don't they want to answer the question? I'll tell you why. Actually, actually, let my good friend Ray Cooper uh, tell you tell you why. I mean, that's his Twitter account. My friend Ray Cooper. He says they won't answer the question because they are cowards, either because they have a mainstream moderate position and the radicals who run the party will crucify them, or they know their position is radical and they don't have the backbone to publicly state it. He is exactly correct, or she is exactly correct. That's it. They don't want to say what it is because either they're radical or they're afraid of their radicals in their own party, and they can't go against their own radicals. Think about that. Have you ever had a discussion with a fellow limited government conservative Republican type, libertarian maybe, and find out you disagree on the topic of abortion, and and then you can't, you can't talk with them anymore? No. Like, usually, you just have the conversation, and you disagree. Right? There, there are pro-choice people inside the Republican Party, and they have different opinions. In fact, I would argue that this bill being run by the Republicans in the General Assembly of North Carolina right now is a moderate Republican pro-choice position. They're allowing, they're allowing elective abortions for no stated reason— for the first trimester, you don't need a reason at all. You just go into your favorite abortionist and have an abortion. You're telling me that's a radical position from the right? That that's a radical pro-life position to limit abortions to the first trimester? And then, in the case of rape and incest, because this is always the first argument that is always made in the debate, what about rape and incest? Okay, well, here are your exceptions. So they, they do the carve-out for exceptions, so you have even more time to decide in the case of rape or incest. You then have more time to have the abortion through 20 weeks and for the life of the mother throughout the entire pregnancy. That's not a radical position. This is not a radical bill. And so when you ask the people who are calling it radical, okay, well, when do rights obtain? And they won't answer your question. Either they believe, and some of them have actually admitted this, that they believe that the fetus doesn't ever have any rights. Ever. Okay. If the fetus has no rights at all, can I partially birth it and then kill it? Why not? It's not, it doesn't have rights. See what I mean? Like, these are fun, this is the fundamental question. And nobody talks about it. Nobody asks it. Nobody is forced to answer it. And when you try to get people to answer it, they're like, well, I mean, that's just my opinion. I shouldn't be making these laws for everybody else. Okay, well, then you know what? Sit down and don't weigh in on any law whatsoever. It's just your opinion, right? These are all just your opinions. I almost said Europeans. All righty. So um, the, uh, what I, one of the things I've noticed here in this debate about um, the abortion regulation in North Carolina over the last uh, 24, 48 hours or so, uh, we have a lot of biologists all of a sudden. I had no idea we had so many bi- biologists in the General Assembly. 
I mean, they're talking like woman this, woman that, woman's right here, woman's health care there, women, 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 just all over the place. So many biologists that are able to use the term. All right, State Representative Sarah Stevens says that this law puts North Carolina firmly among the mainstream with these changes. It allows elective abortions up to 12 weeks. It establishes an exception for rape and incest through week 20. There is not a requirement that this be reported to law enforcement officers. We didn't want to traumatize women and children any further. It establishes an exception for fetal life-limiting anomalies up to 24 weeks, and the life-limiting anomalies is clearly defined in statute. The law maintains the current statute, which has an exception to save the life of the mother at any time. New health care standards included in the bill would require all clinics that perform surgical abortions to meet the same standards as ambulatory surgical centers and any abortion after the first trimester is performed in a hospital. Doctors must provide care to babies who survived a botched abortion procedure and abortions based on the baby's sex, race, or Down syndrome are prohibited. There's room in our life for those children. Current law requiring abortion inducing drugs be administered in person by doctor are maintained. So that's not new. That's been in existence. An extensive informed consent process must be completed in, uh, in person 72 hours prior to any surgical or medical abortion. All right, so uh, that, those are the highlights. It's a very, I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff. Dr. Kristen Baker is a psychiatrist. She said, you know, a lot of times when a woman has an unexpected pregnancy, she experiences a trauma. And during traumatic events... People need to see a clear path forward for themselves. So by providing the options that the lawmakers did, they're essentially you know, lighting the path that is available to a woman who finds herself unexpectedly pregnant. And so now the woman is able to visualize how they can come through that experience. Representative Aaron Paré spoke about the funding of the support programs for new moms, you know, fostering, adoption, uh, various programs to help uh, to help women who choose life, right, to to make it through pregnancy and to start their life with their newborn. And then after these comments, Democrats argued against the bill, and they said that the seventy-two hour waiting period prior to the procedure is cumbersome and costly for people who have to travel and take time off of work. By the way, that, that already exists. This law doesn't actually implement that. It, that it's already in the law. Um, they asked whether there was a state-provided uh, assistance or program to help uh, women who you know, need, need to be able to travel back and forth over the 72 hours. There isn't in the law. There isn't currently in the law, and there isn't one in this law. So I guess we need to, in order to satisfy this demand of the Democrats, we would need to basically run taxi services, government-funded taxi service to the abortion clinics, I guess. They complain about the amount of additional record-keeping, licensing, and inspections that abortionists would have to comply with, um, as well as the additional administrative burden on the Department of Home, uh, Health and Human Services, not Homeland Security, Health and Human Services. They said abortion providers would be pr- uh, worried about breaking the law, uh, and so they may delay providing care until the patient is sick enough to warrant the life-of-the-mother uh, life exemption. However, 
the physician judgment standard has not changed and hasn't changed in decades. So nothing in this law is changing the physician judgment standard here. Then Representative Marsha Morey from Durham, former judge, said that the North Carolina Medical Society released a public statement opposing the bill, saying medical decisions should be made between doctors and patients. They object to personal information being turned over to the the Department of Health and Human Services as well. Three specific data points or information points about a patient The doctor must have a methodical determination of the gestational age at the time of the procedure. Mm -hmm. Second, they must turn over the measurements of the unborn child. And third, they have to turn over the ultrasound images Mm -hmm. of the unborn child. Mm -hmm. Provide all that to DHHS, as it says, for statistical purposes and deems its public interest. Mm -hmm. I think the concern is especially for medical providers, for physicians, how can we be sure this information is safe and that the doctors are not violating protected patient data? Okay, so they're not violating protected data because um, there's no personal identifiable information attached to the files. That, But you realize why they put this in there, right? You have to prove the age, the measurements of the uh, of the fetus, and the ultrasound. Right, it's because some doctors are going to lie, right? Patients will lie, doctors will lie, abortionists will lie in order to advance abortion, right? Like, of course. And so this is also not just for data collection statistical purposes, but also to ensure that they're following the law, right? But I did find this interesting because you know what? This this wariness of the information being kept, like, collected and this information being stored in some sort of a government repository. You know what I thought of? <laughs> Gun registration lists. <laughs> do, do you, right, so maybe Marsha Mori will have a newfound appreciation for the concern that gun owners have when gun grabbers start talking about creating registration lists for guns and gun owners, right? Just throw that out there. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners, all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So there's this idiot on uh, Twitter, which there are lots of them, and uh, I uh, apparently I've I've become very adept at smoking them out. Um, so this idiot says that partially delivered is considered delivered to me. <laughs> so this so he's redefining the words <laughs> because his argument is so stupid, so bad. Yes, folks, you are correct. We are indeed in. <laughs> Warning, you're in the zone of dumbassery. All right, so when they say, 
You know, we I can't say when rights obtained for the fetus. I don't know when a fetus has rights. Nobody should be able to say that. Oh, my gosh, we have no idea. It's totally subjective. You go back and forth with them. And so I say, okay, fine. If, you, if there's no way to define that a fetus has rights, so then therefore what? Like birth? Right? Until it's a baby? Is that right? When do the rights obtain? Because this idiot's like, well, they don't have a death certificate or a birth certificate. So if they die before being delivered, right, if they die before delivery, then, I mean, they actually do get death certificates. But if they don't have a death certificate in this guy's mind, then, then, then it wasn't a life. I said, okay, so could I, by that definition, could I, could I partially deliver a child and murder it and, and it not be murder? And so this is when he says, once it's delivered, it's not an em- it's not an embryo or a fetus. I said, yeah, but I said partially delivered. And he said, well, in my mind, it's the same thing. <laughs> After accusing me of not having reading comprehension, this idiot's making up his own definitions. This is amazing. This is the stuff. If you are, if you want to enjoy this, join us on Twitter. This is what we do. It is, I think, I think it's fun, but also really educational. And important work. We're doing the work. All right, back to the audio. Here is uh, Deb. I will not yield, Mr. Speaker. Deb Butler from New Hanover. She's a Democrat. She wondered why there is a rape incest exception through 20 weeks in the bill if life begins at 12 weeks. Which is obviously a bad faith argument coming from her. But, uh, yeah. She demanded the exceptions, right? The left demands the exceptions because if you don't put the exceptions for rape and incest life of the mother, if you don't put them into the legislation, they attack you for being extremist because these are popular uh, positions. So then when they put them in, then the Democrats say, well, I thought you said that life begins at conception. What's the deal? Why are there exceptions? Isn't it murder after 12 weeks? So your, your argument is that the Republicans are extremists for compromising with you? Is that the argument? <laughs> Representative Yalu said women have complications during pregnancy. Uh, she, in fact, uh, had some kidney problems. We trust our doctors to guide our health care decisions. And we want our doctors to only think about us, only us, Not our health, our lives in the operating rooms. Not politicians, not us, not lawyers, not courts. And we want doctors to care for us without fears of potential prosecution for women. Every moment during pregnancy can be life or death decisions. We need our doctors to think about us, only us, colleagues. For every and every and each one of us, this is a vote, our lifetime. This is the moment, the defining moment of our generation. I urge you to vote no on this bill. I urge you to support women, to allow women to make health care decisions for ourselves. On that, I, I do agree with her. This probably is the vote of their lifetimes for now i mean maybe some other vote might come down the line but uh i do agree with it. it this was a very important vote 
And uh, I don't know if she, well, I know, she didn't convince anybody to flip their votes. But I also thought it was interesting that you don't want the doctor to consider any other life except the woman's. I just think that's probably part of the core issue, too. 